So, hey, we are so excited for all of you again, like I said, to join us. We are live for the first time on Facebook, so uh, hopefully going forward, guys, let you know that that'll be an option if for whatever reason you can't make it on a Sunday morning or uh, you're just traveling, something like that, you want to catch us still, we'll be on Facebook Live and you can join in right here with us, same time and everything, and, and feel like you're sitting in the back of the room. So today we're talking about joy. Now, joy is the best emotion. I was going to try to sit and I'm not. Uh, If you've ever experienced joy, you know exactly what I mean. There are so many examples that I thought of to try to illustrate this feeling, Uh, but I'm going to go back to one that I've mentioned uh, a number of times before. If you ever just need a good laugh or a good cry or to feel the warm fuzzies and go through the full range of all that joy can offer, I would suggest that you search on YouTube soldier homecoming videos, okay? Those things are like feelings gold. (laughs) I cry every time. I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, The best ones are when it's a surprise, right? Sometimes people know they're still excited, still pumped, but when it's a complete surprise and someone shows up, uh, people just lose their minds. It's pure elation. It's joy all over the place. Uh, They're screaming and crying and smiling and laughing and hugging, and it's just exactly what joy is. Now, some of the best ones are the ones with animals, right? Because I don't know if you've ever seen a dog get so excited that it passes out only to wake up to be that excited again and pass out all over again. Uh, But dogs are, are like even better than us at expressing joy, right? We don't wag our tails or anything, uh, nothing like that. So uh, it's just a great example of what joy has to offer for us. And when we watch these types of things, it, it doesn't even have to be our homecoming, right? And yet we still feel it. It doesn't have to be our soldier that's coming home. It doesn't have to be our expression of joy. But anytime you're able to experience joy, whether you personally or even better, seeing it in others, you have that same feeling deep down inside of you. Now, Jesus' birth marked a homecoming that was long awaited and prophesied about, and yet it took the world still completely by surprise. For many, the joy that they experienced in realizing a hope they didn't know was coming was completely uncontrollable. Jesus was the means to a promising future, and I'll explain that. Now, I know that I have Uh, made it pretty clear, but just in case you were wondering, things were not great in the time frame that Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus's future coming. In Isaiah 65, 18 through 19, he was telling the people of Jerusalem, be, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. Now this is God speaking through Isaiah. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sounds of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. See, at this time, the need for a restored Jerusalem and quite frankly, the need for a restored relationship with Jesus was an all-time high for this nation. It was an extreme necessity. They needed to have that restoration come and be a part of their lives. And this prophecy that was shared by Isaiah would be passed down from generation to generation. And people were waiting in expectation for this restoration to come, to experience joy after experiencing years of just pain and sorrow and suffering, and the promise that that crying and weeping would be heard no more. And for those who were blessed enough to see this specific prophecy come to fruition, to see Jesus come and be born on this earth and recognize that he was the fulfillment of that prophecy that was made in Isaiah, 
Their joy truly was uncontrollable. And we have some pretty amazing stories about what it's like to experience a joy that only Jesus can give you. Now, I don't know about you, but I will tell you that at times in my life, there has been an extreme need for joy. There have been times where I have felt trampled down and less than and forgotten and kicked and beaten and spit on and neglected and all of those things. And, and, and there are times where, man, I just didn't see hope. I didn't see hope. And I realized, or at least I began to realize as I started to understand who Jesus was, that the reason that I wasn't finding that hope or seeing that hope is because I wasn't looking for that hope. See, that hope can only be found in Jesus, that joy that we would like to come, the joy that comes in the morning after the night of sorrow and weeping. That joy can only be found when you allow yourselves to grasp it. Because we know that Jesus came and we know that there was an opposition to him. We know that there were a lot of people who weren't having it, who were blinded to what he was, blinded to the fact that he was the fulfillment of this prophecy. But then there were others. There were others who recognized it, who allowed the spirit to move within them, who, who found joy even in their darkest of times. In Luke 1, 39 through 45, it's a story about Mary after she kind of explains to Joseph what's about to happen and her relationship status with him and kind of her life is all up in the air. And so she decides she's going to go visit a relative. And it says, at that time, Mary got re ready and hurried down to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, a baby in my womb, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. See, Jesus even brought joy to an unwed mother in an uncertain time where darkness probably was what was circling around her. Here she is, pregnant, young, possibly alone, not really understanding what her life is going to be like, only understanding that Jesus, that God had made this promise to her about Jesus, and just complete uncertainty. The only thing that she knew, the only thing that she believed is that this child, that was this gift from God, she would be responsible for raising, she would name him Jesus, she would do all the things that God wanted her to do, just like the kids in the play, right? If this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. I'm not sure she said exactly that, but I think that was probably the gist. And John the Baptist, an unborn baby, leaping in his mother Elizabeth's womb, Elizabeth and Zachariah, who couldn't have children, who tried repeatedly over and over for the longest of times and were barren, eventually realizing and holding to the promise that God had made them that they would, in fact, have a son. They would, in fact, have a child. And here is this child inside of her, recognizing the child inside of her relative and leaping for joy at just being in the presence of the baby that is still in the womb. Can you imagine, if you're a woman, you probably imagine a lot better if you've had a child than if you haven't, right? Guys, we, a lot of us, no clue. But if you're a woman, you've felt a baby kick inside of you and the flutters and, and just the feelings that you guys get to experience that we as men never will. If you have had the opportunity to experience that, you kind of understand Elizabeth's mindset, right? Of just having this baby just 
somersault inside of her and her be filled with the Holy Spirit all because Jesus' presence was made known to her in her life. And if Jesus can do this while still inside of the womb, then I can say, what can he do for us in a world where he is very alive and very active? Very alive and very active. Right? Elizabeth being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the joy that was accompanied with that takes me back to the time where, for me and, and for you, if you think about it, you truly experienced salvation for the first time, right? Think about it. When you really started to understand who Jesus was and that he had come to save you and that he was born to die for you on a cross and that forgiveness, a new way, joy could be yours. Joy could be yours all through this baby that when you truly experienced, do you remember that feeling? You remember how happy you were? You remember how excited you were? You remember how you couldn't wait to tell everybody else around you? You were just pumped up. You were just pumped up because that's the joy that Jesus brings. And see, it wasn't just for Elizabeth and it wasn't just for Mary. After he was born, it says that uh, in Luke 20, I think it's 2, 25 through 32, it says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the restoration, for it to be made whole again. And the Holy Spirit was on him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law, of what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory of your people, Israel. See, Simeon had been promised that he would see that salvation, that restoration of Israel before his death. But not just for the Jews, for the Gentiles as well. See, this is where it becomes important for us because now we're included. And here he confirms that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah. Right? Not the only confirmations that we have. If we look in Revelation chapter 7 and 21, in 717 it says, For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In Revelation 21, 4, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the, order, the old order of things has passed away. See, it's not a coincidence that both of these verses quote scripture back in Isaiah. It's not a coincidence that they quote Isaiah scripture. It's God's showing a fulfillment of what was promised through Isaiah. And see, that promise, it extended. It's not just good for Israel. It's good for you and it's good for me. So to the things that I know, I know that the absence of Jesus is death. I know that. Okay? I know that. And I know that this world is a sinful world that the absence of Jesus is commonplace. Right? And God and sin, they're opposites. They, they're like oil and water. They, they can't be mixed with one another. And so we experience the sin in this world and the pain and the suffering that it has to offer. And there's a lot here. And I know just from personal conversations all across this room that there has been pain and there has been suffering for maybe all of us, to be frank. See, but those things are temporary in the light of Jesus. The weeping, the crying, the death, it will be no more in Jesus. 
Jesus has come to bring you joy. He has come to bring you joy. He has come to show you that the death and the pain and the suffering and all of the negativity that you've experienced in your life is just a part of your life. And here's another thing you need to understand. Those things, they do not define you. They do not define you. Because you can experience Jesus and you can be a Christian and you can read your Bible every day and pray all the time and give everything you have to the poor and still experience pain. And you can have the desire in your heart to do exactly what Jesus wants you to do and still do evil. It's just what it is. Because we live in a sinful world. See, but Jesus came to bring joy, to say in spite of all those things, you can experience new. To the nation of Jerusalem, even though you've been in captivity, even though you have been weeping and crying, even though you have been the footstool for all the nations around you, one day you will be restored. And to you Gentiles, something that maybe you don't understand, but the sin in your life, the things that are weighing you down and bogging you down and making you think that you are either not worthy or not important to me, just know that one day, one day, if you place your faith here in the son that I'll bring you, the the salvation that I'm going to send to you, the consolation that will come your way, if you can place your faith in him, then joy will be yours. That's promised. That's promised. Regardless of how you may feel right now in this moment or have felt in the past or may feel in the future, that's promised and it can't be touched. Because here's the thing. Just like Jesus has done with hope and peace, Jesus does joy in a whole nother way. See, Jesus offers lasting joy for you. Lasting joy for you. Not that temporary high that we feel really good about and then it seems to go away. Jesus has come to bring you a joy in knowing that regardless of life circumstance, even if earthly death happens for you, a lasting joy will be yours, right? That even though this body will die and even though in this body you will experience pain and in in this body on this earth you will suffer, a lasting joy has come for you, which is heaven, which is obtained through Jesus. And in that time, when we experience that time, this world, this pain, this suffering, it will be forgotten. Earthly joy fades Earthly joy fades, but the joy that Jesus has to offer is one of completion. Jesus' joy, it comes with a finalization. It's a, a thing that can't be taken from you. The joy that Jesus has to offer can't be taken from you. Now listen here, because we have to understand, I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about feeling good one day and feeling bad the next. I'm not even talking about a lifetime of suffering or Constant pain. Okay, I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about a lasting joy that cannot be touched by anything that this world can do to you. Because Jesus made it very clear, not only to his disciples, but to us as well, that what he has to offer can't be taken by this world. What he has brought to you through his birth and his eventual death on a cross cannot be touched by anyone or anything on this earth. It is finalized. It is solidified. That peace and that joy is yours. And the peace and that joy, it's found in the fact of us knowing 
knowing, not having faith, not having faith, not believing with everything that we have that it will come to fruition. It comes with knowing that when this life is over, a life beyond your wildest imagination begins. And that is glorious. And that is what Christmas is all about. Right? It's not about what's happening now. It's about what's going to happen because of what Jesus did thousands of years ago for us. Because through Jesus' death, as Scripture tells us, we get to experience a new heaven and new earth. Right? That passage in Isaiah tells that he's going to bring about a new heaven and a new earth. On earth, he brings about the joy of forgiveness. We have joy in the fact that we can be forgiven for our sin. And even though we still continue to experience pain, and even though we still experience times where we don't feel that joy, we all have to understand that we ride that roller coaster. Right? I think of this journey, and it's a lot like a roller coaster. We get on. And we're starting to live this life and we don't really understand what's about to happen to us and there's all this anticipation and hope that it doesn't hurt too bad. Maybe for, not for you. For me, it, it's hope. I'm going to ride this roller coaster because Cordelia really wants to or so-and-so really wants to. And I hope by the end my back is in one piece, right? So I hope it doesn't hurt too bad. Um, sometimes the roller coaster makes us sick. Sometimes it's great and it's really fun. Sometimes we're on the rise. Sometimes we're falling. Maybe we enjoy it and wish we had lots more time to do it. Maybe we look back on it and we said, man, I don't ever want to do that again. But in the end, okay, in the end, it's all about what's waiting for us at the end of that ride. Now, this is where the illustration gets a little fuzzy, right? But our perspective on what happens at the end of that roller coaster ride, what's waiting for us there can greatly affect how we feel about that ride. We can enjoy every last bit of it. It can be the funnest thing that we could ever have possibly imagined. It could have had joy after joy after joy after joy after upside down joy and turn you around joy and all the other types of joy. And then if the roller coaster is done and you have nothing else to look forward to, it's over. And what good was it? Right? I felt joy for a little bit. It was really fun. Remember that one time, but it's done. But, but what if we have something to look forward to at the end of our roller coaster ride? Whatever that may be, okay? Whether it's, hey, I'm going to have more fun times with my family today, or we're going to go do this next thing, or more joy is coming, right? If we can just focus on that, our, our focus on what happens after determines everything. And so it doesn't matter if we had a really great time on the ride or the ride was terrible, if at the end of the day, we know that joy is coming, regardless of what happened on that ride, we can feel confident about the future, right? We can find joy in that experience. For whatever, this was part of it, but there's so much more to look forward to. Or this was everything I had, now what happens? Jesus has come to offer you a lasting joy that cannot be touched, he ensures that what waits for us at the end of our ride is pure joy. In John 16, 22, it says, So with you, now is your time to grieve, but I will see you again and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. 
Jesus is confirming here that even though we will suffer on this earth, what we suffer through is momentary. But joy will come in the morning. It's been promised by him. It's been guaranteed and solidified and won by Christ on the cross. That joy will be yours. It does not lessen. It cannot be damaged. And it lasts forever. And it lasts forever. See, this all started in a manger 6 to 4 BCE when Jesus, tiny little baby Jesus, was brought into this earth, swaddled in a cloth, laid in a manger, praised by a chorus of angels, baffling shepherds on a hillside who couldn't wait to go and tell everyone they saw about what they had experienced, prized by wise men who brought expensive gifts. Gifts that even they would have admitted were not good enough. All for the king that they didn't 100% know was coming. But that experience of Jesus sometimes causes people to drop everything and to leave the world that they have had behind and to live in the joy that can only be brought by Jesus. And the joy is this, that regardless of your circumstance, that joy is still there. It can't be touched. Can't be touched by addiction, can't be touched by death, can't be touched by cancer, can't be touched by anything. Because Jesus has said that it is yours. So today I bring you good tidings of great joy. Hebrews 12.2 Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And for Jesus, part of that joy was getting to share the kingdom of heaven with you. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now and Lord, I, to say thank you doesn't seem like enough because what God has done through you, his son Jesus, is something that we could never ever hope to repay and honestly, I'm not sure that we'll ever grasp. But Lord, I would pray that you would help us too, to help us understand who we are to you, that we are a treasure to you, that you delight in us, that you, completely undeserving because we don't deserve it, even so, God, you, you still say they are worthy. This is my creation whom I love. And even though we will experience pain and suffering on this earth because sin was introduced to a world that you meant sin never to be a part of. You loved us so much even after your original creation turning their nose up at what you had done for them that you gave us a way to still experience joy, 
to never really have to experience what death really is. To have the confidence and the knowledge that a lasting joy is ours, that regardless of whatever may happen, at the end of the day, it is promised and so it will be. That there is pain in this night, but joy will come in the morning and that joy is obtained through Jesus. God, one day we will be in heaven right next to you. We will sing your praises. We will be in new bodies. We will have new life. We will have riches beyond what we can comprehend. Not in a monetary sense, but a wealth that only can be found in you. Help us to be people that seek out joy in life because joy is still in this world. Help us to be people who look to facilitate joy for others. Help us to be people who show the world what Jesus' birth was all about. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.